Friends, today we continue our sermon series, Living Hope. And we do so by turning to the book of Ruth. This is a book in the Hebrew scriptures that takes place in the days when the judges ruled. This was an uncertain time in Israel's history after God had brought them into the promised land, but before the golden age of kings like David and Solomon. The book of Ruth is the story of a family in a famine. It begins with a couple from Bethlehem called Naomi and Elimelech who found themselves in such dire hunger that they migrated to the neighboring country of Moab with their two sons, Malin and Kilian. Now this was a risk because Moab was a foreign country, enemy territory. And sadly, the move did not solve all of the family's problems because Elimelech soon died, leaving Naomi a widow. Now her sons, Malin and Killian, took charge of the family and they married two Moabite women, Ruth and Orpah, But after a decade in Moab, Malin and Killian died too. And they left all three women now, their wives and their mother, to fend for themselves in a culture that provided extremely limited options for any woman unattached to a man. So Naomi, Orpah, and Ruth were in a bad situation. And that's where we find them today And we will see what the Holy Spirit might have to show us through their story. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Guide us by the power of your spirit into deeper understanding of your truth and your will for the life we share for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Now hear the word of God from the first chapter of Ruth, beginning at verse 6. Then she, that is Naomi, started to return with her daughters-in-law from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had considered his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she had been living, she and her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to go back to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find security, each of you, in the house of your husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud. They said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Do I still have sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. Even if I thought there was hope for me, even if I should have a husband tonight and bear sons, 
Would you then wait until they were grown? Would you then refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, it has been far more bitter for me than for you, because the hand of the Lord has turned against me. Then they wept aloud again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There will I be buried. And may the Lord do thus and so to me and more as well, if even death parts me from you. When Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. This is the word of the Lord. One recent evening, after spending a few hours here at the church, I was gathering my things when I realized I could not find my keys. I looked in all the usual places. I dug around in my purse. I checked the dish by the door. I rustled through the piles of papers on my desk. No luck. But no need to worry. I hadn't been in my office all afternoon, so it was reasonable to suppose that my keys might be somewhere else, like the copy room or the kitchen. So I began to retrace my steps. Well, before long, I was retracing my steps over and over again, going in circles. I could not, for the life of me, find those keys. Fifteen minutes passed this way, and I started to panic. How was I going to get home? My search became irrational, like I started to look in places that they could not possibly be. I checked in the pockets of this robe, which I had not worn in weeks. I checked inside the kitchen fridge. I checked my car, which also made no sense because I had used my fob earlier to get into the building. And still I found nothing. So I was standing in the parking deck in the fading light and I threw up my hands and the universal sign of abject frustration. I was at a loss. Naomi, she too was at a loss. Now her loss was a loss much worse, more profound than the loss of keys. Naomi had lost people, people she loved. She had lost security. I wonder if she hadn't also lost a sense of herself, a sense of who she was. We have this way of defining ourselves in terms of other people. Like if I'm not a wife, if I'm not a mother, who am I? 
the kind of thing Naomi was thinking about because she had suffered loss on all these different levels and she found herself in grief. It's said that grief often looks like searching. In their book, All Our Losses, All Our Griefs, pastoral counselors Kenneth R. Mitchell and Herbert Anderson say it is usual to search for what is lost, even when at some level we are aware that it is irretrievably gone. We still search. Naomi's grief was like that. She retraced her steps. She went searching for the time before it all went wrong. She was trying to get back to the start, before the famine made her a refugee, before death had emptied her family. And her search was not entirely irrational because rumor had it that God was in Judah. And that's where she was headed. So there was reason to hope if only she could get back home. There was hope. But somewhere along the way, Naomi lost that too. You know, last week, Pastor Emily talked about how this can happen, how one worry feeds into another, or one sad or self-critical thought breeds 10 more. All of a sudden, we find ourselves spiraling into despair, all hope lost. That was Naomi. That was Naomi when she stopped short in the middle of the road, when she turned to her daughters-in-law and she said, go back. In her mind, she had convinced herself that she had nothing to offer. She'd convinced herself that it would be better for everybody if she just went on alone. Naomi had even begun to believe that the very God whose presence she sought, whose comfort she needed, that God would never let himself be found, at least not by her. The hand of the Lord has turned against me, she said. Hope was lost and faith was quickly slipping away. It might seem strange to say this, especially as we have gathered here in God's sanctuary to worship God. But faith has a way of getting lost. I would imagine that some, if not most of us, have doubted the existence of God at some point in our lives. What is more, I think most, if not all of us, have been like Naomi at some point. Perhaps we have not denied God's existence, but we have doubted God's presence with us and in us and for us. We imagine that God is always somewhere else at the elusive end of the rainbow. Perhaps like Naomi, we have had cause to think that God is gone. We've had cause to doubt that God is our friend. But this belief can become a habit of functional atheism. If I might borrow a phrase from the author Parker Palmer, he writes, we say pious words about God's presence in our lives, but believe on the contrary, that nothing good is going to happen unless we make it happen. We start not only to suspect, but to live as if we are out here all on our own. 
wonder if that rings a bell for you. It did for Orpah. Naomi's words frightened Orpah right back to Moab. Only Ruth held on. Only Ruth held out hope. Hers were the words that made it possible to go on. But I think it's equally important what Ruth did not say. Ruth did not say to Naomi, everything's going to be okay. She didn't say that. She did not contradict Naomi either. And remember, Naomi thought that God hated her. She had all but said it. The hand of the Lord has turned against me. But Ruth did not come to her with a sunny, God loves you, even though it was true. Now, what Ruth said was this. She said, do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you live, I will live. Your people shall be my people. Your God shall be my God. Where you die, I will die. There I will be buried. Essentially, Ruth was saying, I am here for you. I am here for you. When hope is lost and when we can no longer call to mind any good reason to believe, we find hope in one another. In Parker Palmer's book, Let Your Life Speak, this is the same place he talks about functional atheism. He also describes a time of grief that led him to discover true hope. In his 40s, Palmer was struggling with clinical depression, which he describes as the total eclipse of light and hope. His depression was largely situational, but he could still see no way out. It was like being lost in a dark forest or trapped under thick ice. Palmer had no idea what to do, no clue how to heal. And the friends who tried to help him, well, they made mistakes. They advised him to lift his spirits by taking a walk outside. They told him to feel better by remembering his many good qualities and accomplishments. Some tried to empathize. I know exactly how you feel, they said. But this was worst of all. Because Palmer could see that his comforters were only trying to reassure themselves. And this led him to an even deeper sense of disconnection. But thankfully, there were exceptions. There were those friends, Palmer says, who had the courage to stand with me. To stand with me in a simple and healing way. He describes his friend Bill Having asked my permission to do so, Bill stopped by my home every afternoon, sat me down in a chair, knelt in front of me, removed my shoes and socks, and for half an hour, massaged my feet. He found the one place in my body where I could still experience feeling and feel somewhat reconnected with the human race. Bill rarely spoke a word. When he did, he never gave advice, but simply mirrored my condition. He would say, 
I can sense your struggle today, or it feels like you're getting stronger. It is impossible to put into words what my friend's ministry meant to me, writes Palmer. Where you go, I will go. Where you live, I will live. I am here for you. We find hope when we stand together. It's true at the personal level, and it may yet be true at the level of society. I think often we look out at the world and we see a mess of problems that need fixing. And we see that we have a long way to go, a long way to go on racial justice, a long way to go on poverty and homelessness, a long way to go to protect the planet, a long way to go still with this pandemic, a long way to go. And sometimes we worry we won't make it. We despair and we begin to believe that our best bet is to turn inward and to go our own way, to, to look to our own interests. We think that we can live without faith, without hope, and with all, without all that much love if we confine ourselves to those that we love already and love easily. But God's word to us is nothing so pat or comfortable as love the one you're with. The love that Ruth showed Naomi was not just the love of family. Ruth could have had that if she'd gone back to her mother's house in Moab. But Ruth chose a higher love. It was a love that embraced an unlikely person. It was a love that privileged one more vulnerable than herself. It was a love that risked a journey with an uncertain destination, a love that crossed borders and redefined belonging, a love that imitated the steadfast faithfulness of God. This is the love that has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. This is the love that gives rise to living hope far and wide. In case you were wondering, I haven't been sleeping at the church. I found my keys, but it was with a little help from my friends. You see, when I was out there on the parking deck, I ran into our youth ministers, Jose Suarez and Olivia Black, who were out in the parking lot getting ready for middle school jam, and they saw this frazzled pastor rifling around in her car. And do you know, I almost didn't tell them what was going on. Like, how could they help? What could they do that I wasn't already doing? What could they know that I didn't know? That was my attitude. My hopeless attitude. But you know these Christian types. They said hello, and they asked how I was, and once they knew how I was, they said, let us join you. And in five minutes flat, 
Olivia had located my lost keys, which were inexplicably in the ladies' room trash can, which was thankfully otherwise empty. And to this day, y'all, I have no recollection of throwing my keys away. I mean, come on. On my own, I would have had no hope of finding them. But I wasn't on my own. And neither are we. And that's what we have to live into today. In the name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.